It's .NET Rocks! Oh yeah! Well, that worked. What a crowd. We, you guys turned the lights on. <laughs> wow, they're even cheering down the hall for I us. think that was an echo, actually. <laughs> Uh, it's great to be here in Oslo at NDC, and uh, what a great audience this is, and literally, it's probably one of our bigger audiences we've seen Packed here. Back to the walls, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's excellent. Usually, it's just a few guys in the in the front. You know, they're like on their phones while we're talking. That's okay. <laughs> it's that like was, this or a coffee break. So. Yeah. Mark Rendell is here. But before we talk to Mark, we have this little thing we have to do called Better Know a Framework. Roll the crazy music. All right, buddy, what do you got? Uh, well, what I got is uh, a really cool online game called Screeps. Anybody's played Screeps? Raise your hand. What's a Screep? All right, I see like five hands go up. Wow. Screeps is uh, S-C-R-E-E-P-S. It stands for Scripting Creeps. Mm. And this is a, a I've game. I've met that guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a scripting creep. Yeah. Graduated. Uh, this is an online multiplayer real-time simulation game. And the, the whole idea is that you have uh, the core mechanic is programming your unit's AI. So you control your colony by writing JavaScript, which operates in 24-7 in the single persistent real-time world filled by other players on par with you. So you basically play against other people playing by writing code. Like you, you defend your colony, you attack other colonies, you have to write code to do it. So this is a really cool way to get kids, especially, interested in programming. You do it with them, you're going to have more fun. Uh, you probably waste a lot of time. That or this is Ender's Game and you're killing societies elsewhere <laughs> in the world. When, 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 I don't know which one's true. It could be both, could actually. Be both, yes. Yeah. Educational kids and genocide. Yay! <laughs> awesome. So, Screefs.com, that's what I got. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? And I again, I got to thank Brian McKay. He's... he's is the finder of all things cool. Yeah, he's internet. your new toy boy, I think. He is you know, the new toy <laughs> boy. back when we did Mondays, that was my job was yeah. to find those weird things. But, right. um, but I think Brian stepped up on that. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So who's talking to us today, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 1480, the one we did with one Mark Rendell. Maybe you've heard of him. Never heard of him. And that was when we were talking uh, about shtick. Yeah, Another crazy right. thing he made for making social presentations, because he is prone to making crazy things. He does. I've hung do around that. with him for a while now, and he keeps making crazy things. And we had a lot of fun on that show. <laughs> and it's a couple of years ago. That was last time you we were on was 2017. So you missed, really? you Did missed I not 2018. Do it last year? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I mean, that was a crazy thing, but I stopped doing it because Microsoft built it into PowerPoint. Yes. So, you know. <clears throat> yeah. PowerPoint is its own crazy yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. You don't like competition in your crazy Whole things. lot of crazy there. But uh, Thomas Lycan said, and this is a comment from two years ago, thanks for the hilarious episode. I definitely tune in to .NET is rather splendid, which I think was the UK podcast oh, yeah, we're meeting we, to make. We, we're still planning on doing that. Yeah. It's just getting, is rather splendid. Getting rather me splendid. and Dylan in the same place for, for more than five that minutes is tricky. Is difficult. Yeah. Uh, on a more serious note, shtick and the sentiments about behind it really resonated with me. Just this week, I was looking around for a tool to solve this problem. I ended up dismissing reveal.js, another mm -hmm. tooling in that particular space, the same reason you did, and using remark.js. Have we really run out of all two 
syllable words and put a JS in front of them, like pretty much all of that. I, I mean, I've done all the curse words. Yeah. So okay. Wait, didn't, you do, yeah. didn't you do remark, remark again? Uh, no, Mark. No. I, no, I did actually nobody. create a library called moist.js just to upset people <laughs> who upset don't people like the word moist. That works. Yeah. yeah. That is a very distressing word for uh, a lot of people. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Moist. Yes. <gasps> now, and unfortunately, Thomas goes on to say, shtick sounds just like the thing I'm looking for. Apparently now, Thomas, the thing you're looking for is PowerPoint. Yes. That is PowerPoint. the saddest sentence I think I've ever said in yeah. my entire life. Yeah. 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 I agree. Uh, in bringing, uh, in, in the interest of bringing it to 1.0, I'd love to see if I can contribute. I do socket CSS, but I've successfully built stuff with web sockets. However, I found it a little difficult to figure out where to start. Is there a good place to start reading about the architecture and such? Ping me on GitHub. Happy to help. I filed an issue. Sorry, Thomas. <laughs> yeah. It stopped. <laughs> it stopped. It's in that great open source library in the sky. It yeah. is. It's it's gone it, we should say the it's enormous list of things yes. that I've made around Microsoft products that they've just built into the product. Well, I'll so, compensate Thomas for his efforts with a copy of the music to code by. So thank you, Thomas, for your contribution. And we'll send a copy of music to code by to you. And if you'd like a copy of music to code by, write a comment on the website at rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Facebook and just Facebook because who publishes to Google Plus? It doesn't exist anymore. Nobody publishes to Google no, Plus. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of music to code by. And definitely follow us on Twitter. Uh, he's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a screep. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, tweet. I'm sorry. All right. Well, let we me destroy societies with them. <laughs> <laughs> let me read Mark's official bio here. Uh, Mark Rendell is whatever you want him to be as long as he gets to play with computers all day. He's been programming professionally since the days of Wise Terminals. That's W Y S E for you newbies, and V I and two hour compilation time. That so is you a can lot just, of hate in one sentence. So you <laughs> can just quit your complaining that Visual Studio is a tad slow. <laughs> These days, Mark mixes freelance work with teaching workshops and giving the talks everywhere from big international conferences to local user groups. He's very excited about .NET Core and thinks everybody should run everything in Docker containers on general principle. <laughs> Mark's hobbies include extreme knitting, particle physics, and lying about his hobbies. <laughs> Please welcome Mark Rendell. This... This is awesome doing this live because it's like being on the Tonight Show, except <laughs> instead of Jimmy Fallon, I've got you two. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we were like four Jimmy Fallons. Yeah, put together. Yeah. One of us ate Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. <laughs> they say, "Come on in, have a couple of seats." <laughs> you know, I was I was talking to uh, David Fowler, and they they had some project problem back at you know the mothership mm. where they had to actually run Studio Two Thousand Eight. And apparently on modern hardware, Studio 2008 runs like lightning. Okay. <laughs> I will take their word for that. They were surprised that we hit file new. It's just like, boom, there it was. It's like, <laughs> so as long as we keep running 10-year-old software on modern hardware, everything's great. That's yeah. the solution. It's like when you spin up uh, Windows XP in a VM. And it, it just goes, oh, yeah. boom, and, and you're there. It's like yeah. a container. Yeah, yeah. I, used to, I used to get coffee while I waited for XP to boot. Speaking go. of old software... Oh, so, oh, God, yeah. Speaking of Visual Studio 2008, in fact. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. It literally was 2008, which was the fallout from Vista. Yes. The fallout from... Ah, there's the, a word you don't get to say very often. Yeah, yeah it's lovely. The fallout... Yeah, it's, isn't it great when an operating system everybody hated goes out of maintenance? So it's like, <laughs> you don't have to tell anybody to upgrade. They already have. Well, let me start before we do this. I want to take a poll, and you can do this by clapping because they can't hear you raise your hand on a radio show. 
how many people have used WCF in the past? Clap. Wow. Mark? I, I, would, I would offer you a hug, but I'm not very tactile. <laughs> Get an American to give you a hug. They're better at it. Yeah, they, that was Indigo back in the day. Yes. Codename Indigo. There was a whole bunch of stuff that was supposed to be built into Vista, like the Longhorn file system. Oh, yeah. And, that would have been great. Um, the, and various, the three pillars. Yeah. Right? Avalon, Indigo, WC... Uh, uh, Indigo was file. Uh, it was the Windows WFS, file system. WFS, yeah, the file system. Yeah, WFS, yeah, yeah. It didn't have a cool code name. No, Maybe yes. that's why it didn't succeed. That's what it was. It, if it just had a cool well, and so when code name when Vista blew up the way it did, Avalon became Windows Presentation Foundation because we learned from Brad Abrams: if you have a cool code name, you get a terrible product name. Right, right. That's the way it goes. Uh, and uh, Indigo became uh, Windows Communication Foundation, and the file system disappeared. For a long time, but I understand the bits actually showed up in stuff like Exchange, like all of the the modern software that Microsoft has these days around storage systems and so forth. That's all like son of file system. From what I understand, they underestimated, if I remember correctly, they underestimated um, breaching going across networks, how hard that would be, yeah. and that was the real problem with WinFS. It became very slow across yeah. networks. Yes. But we got the thing where you could turn multiple disks into a single disk yeah. very mm -hmm. briefly. That came out of it, and then yeah. that went away again. But um, story, if you look at you storage servers today, it's all those kind of capabilities, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I thought that's important. Well, we didn't bring up WCF for nothing. Um, Mark, you have a, you're doing something with WCF, or you know people who are doing something I'm, with I'm, uh, WCF. I'm saving the world from WCF. <laughs> Um, and what, why is WCF a problem in any way? So WCF is a problem uh, because uh, Microsoft have been working on .NET Core and we've got .NET Core 3 now, which Coming. has got, uh, that's um, going final in September, maybe October. Yep. Mm. Um, and so now you've actually got Windows Forms and WPF in .NET Core. Well, it's not in Core. It's like a separate SDK because it's not cross-platform. But you can, so you can build a .NET Core 3.0 desktop application right. only on Windows. Right. Yes. And it will, uh, you can use WPF. You can basically copy across your WPF code or your Windows Forms code sure. and it will just work. Something will happen. For a given value of just yeah. work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it'll, it'll just work. Just as in air quotes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and so that means that most everything from .NET can now be rescued and brought over to .NET Core. Right. Right. And so Microsoft did this big announcement at the Bill conference where they said the next version of .NET Core after 3.0 will be .NET 5. Yeah. Because they so, didn't want to go to .NET Core 4 and have .NET 4, 4 at the same time. Yeah. So they're just calling it .NET 5. Yeah. And it's bringing everything Xamarin and UWP and everything's coming together the great under unifier. .NET 5. And so this is kind of them officially saying, yeah, .NET 4.8 or whatever it is, yeah. is in maintenance and, you know, it's Microsoft. But they're building a migration path for you to get They are to. building a migration path for you to get there. But obviously, there's a whole bunch of people out there who 10 years ago bet the farm on WCF mm -hmm. yeah. who were going, what about WCF? Right. And Microsoft basically said, eh. yeah, we recommend you use uh, either ASP.NET Core Web APIs. Right. 
or GRPC, which they've just added first-class support for in .NET Core 3, right. because WCF is an old legacy technology based on old legacy standards, and we don't want to support it no more. Hmm. I mean, it's not the only thing they're not bringing across. They're not bringing across web forms either. No. Um, right. And that also has made a whole bunch of people very unhappy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, people got a lot of but, code but, over there. But it yeah, does make yeah. sense when you dig down into the reasons why. It does kind of make sense. It does. Um, web forms uh, was a... <laughs> It was a really bad model for building web applications because it tried to hide the fact that it was a web application yeah. mm. from the developer. Right. Which um, was useful in like 2002. Yeah. When there was a whole bunch of folks who had been building code in the Microsoft land that had never done anything in the web. And yes. this was a, a bridge in. That's and it. And, and it was wildly successful. It, it was, was wildly, wildly successful. successful. And you had this thing where you could put a button on a web page and add a click event handler to it yeah. and it would call some of your C-sharp code or your VB.net code. Um, and it, the problem was the insane amount of magic that had to happen at runtime in order to get that to work. I don't understand why four megabytes of view state is a problem. I didn't. It's <laughs> not on the, you know, it's, what? It, it's not on an intranet. Um, <laughs> no. I mean, these days with 10 gig uh, Ethernet, it's probably, probably less make, of a problem yeah, than it was. Really that big of a deal. Good, um, now it's a gigabyte yeah. of view state. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but Ask me how I know. <laughs> Did you really put controls into a grid and then use a repeater control on it? That won't spit out a lot of view no. state. No. I mean, the thing is, if I were Microsoft, I would be making it carry on working because four megabytes of view state on every outbound data yeah, packet like, we'll from let you, we'll, we'll keep web forms running, but only if you put it in Azure. So yeah. We charge you by the byte. Yeah. Because that's like go. every three page refreshes. Yeah. You're going to get a gigabyte of egress and that's like two cents. Anyway, back to <laughs> <Yeah>. WCF. <laughs> So, yeah, um, WCF. Um, now, the nice thing about WCF is that it was very contract-driven. You have service contracts, you have operation contracts, you have data contracts. And so there is an, a ton of metadata in the application um, that you can use to generate WSDL files. And it does that dynamically at runtime. And so I was seeing the the sort of arguments happening on Twitter and the kind of hipster part of my brain was going, serves you right for using WCF. <laughs> but then the the kind of I my um I've been working on empathy. Oh um does it come in a spray bottle and you just squirt it in your ear? Uh no, it's <laughs> it's just um I had to to switch back on that um that part of me. What's it called? Um the soul. Ah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, soul, I switched yeah. my heard, soul back on and I've I started to to appreciate that other people are human beings with real feelings. Um and and you needed something to do. And I and I needed I was you yeah. know, Microsoft killed my shtick. Yeah, shtick had gone um, away. You need yeah. a hobby. And so I need something but I thought if you can generate like a WSDL file which can be used to generate uh, a client for these things, yeah. then yeah. if Microsoft are saying the alternative to WCF is GRPC, and I like GRPC, it's great. Mm -hmm. Um I wonder if I could use that same metadata to generate the dot proto file for GRPC. And just automatically migrate people's code from WCF to GRPC. And so I sat down and I booted up some console applications and I mucked about with the Roslyn APIs for a week, solid um, evenings. You know, as you do. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, you can. 
is the answer. The answer, yeah. Um, so, and then I kind of thought, uh, this is this is actually something. Um, yeah. And uh, I kind of kept pushing it a bit further and going, okay, but can can I can it do this and can it do that and can it do the other? And I kept mm. coming up with the answer, yes. You're looking for the engineering um, exception. It's like, oh well, this is the line. Yeah, yeah. Because there's lots of the thing is you can bring the proto file across, and then you can use the proto file to that automatically generates a service class for you which you just then do add grpc endpoint in your .NET core 3 startup um and that works but the signature of a grpc endpoint method mm -hmm. is different from the data contract the service contract methods um so i generated some code that wrapped the old methods and mm. copied parameters across and all this sort of thing and I was kind of like so that works and then there was, okay, but now, uh, like, GRPC doesn't have a decimal data type. It just has double. So okay. it's like, if you bring a decimal across, can I find all the points where you use that decimal property mm. in the code and cast it to a double or cast it from a double? And yeah, yeah, you can. Do they work um, differently, though? Do they have different... Um I don't know, resolutions or roundings or? Um, not for the purposes of serializing and deserializing, oh, no. Good. Um, so you can serialize it. It, the, the GRP, the proto buff representation of mm. that number will be accurate. Okay. Um, and you just turn it back into a decimal at either end. Right. Hmm. So it's just, um, just for transport. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you can kind of, you can pull that service contract implementation across. And then you can just drill down. So what types does that service contract class use? Right. And what types do those classes use? And what types do those classes use? And just pull out all the necessary code and drop it into a .NET Core 3 application. And it just works. There's wow. that so just in air quotes again. Is it, is it only with the HTTP um, transport or does it work with binary and does it, it work with all the other crazy um, transports? So, I mean, it's, it's completely different. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, you can't take that service and use your old client code against it. Right. Um, but what you can do is use the protofile to generate a new client, mm -hmm. which is very similar to the old client. And then what I can do is generate some additional wrapper methods to make the old client look exactly like the old one. So in theory, you can bring it in and you don't need to change any code in your WPF application or your, your client-side code or whatever it is. But it is now talking protobuf over gRPC right. instead of SOAP over NetTCP or HTTP or, or whatever HBS. it might be. Yeah. Well, and that was part of the silliness of WCF. It's like, I'm pretty sure I did a transaction through an email once with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would. I mean, that's the thing with WCF. It was. It was a Swiss Army knife, um, which, no, and half the blades nobody needed. Yeah, yeah. And it actually, you know, you you pulled out a thing that you thought was a screwdriver, and it was a live giraffe. Yeah. You pull out your <laughs> pull out your hair, trying to configure and it. it kind of, and it was really kind of pissed off at being pulled out. Yeah, too. that's it. And then and so you're kind of like going, "Where's what's the XML syntax to disable the giraffe? I don't. I, somebody <laughs> somebody switched the giraffe off. But there's a handful of Germans that made a whole lot of money showing people how to configure that stuff. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Ingo Rammer and Christian Weyer yeah. and yes. all those and, guys. And good luck to them. And now I'm going to make a whole load of money. Um, teaching people project. how to not do it. <laughs> um, so no. So that's the. Is yeah. that, have you got a name for this? Uh, it's called Visual Recode. 
without giraffes? Without giraffes. Yes, giraffe yes, free. Awesome. I'm gonna actually hmm. I'm gonna register that domain. <laughs> WCF without giraffes dot com. Not a mollusk. I'll redirect that. Not a <laughs> not mollusk. A mollusk. <laughs> that was simple data, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. not a mollusk and it's not I yeah. asked you, what isn't it? And you said, yeah. Well it's not a mollusk. It's not a mollusk. So I registered <laughs> while we were recording the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um no, this is this is actually probably the most sensible thing I've done. Um Wow. And uh, and I I was kind of like I was my instinct is to open source everything I do, mm-hmm. um, but on this one particular occasion, I thought actually you know what um, this is uh, cash cow is that what the, you're trying the, to say the people who need this solution right yeah. Are often actively opposed to using open source software. Oh, oh, oh yeah. there are Fair. licensing issues around it. Okay. But more than that, they want support. They want a promise that the thing's going to work. They want right. somebody. They don't want to go to GitHub and file an issue right. if something doesn't work. They, they want to make a phone. They email somebody or talk to somebody. Or they want to know what neck to strangle. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Not the giraffe. Um, so you're going to make a commercial venture. It is a commercial. It's going to be a commercial product. Aspects of it will be free. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, it's, the idea is that you, you install the extension into Visual Studio. It will do a certain amount of stuff for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and that those things are the things that will be useful to everybody. At least give me an assessment. Um, and also it'll kind of go, so look, this is what we're going to be able to do and give you a preview of the code right. it would generate and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, but then if you want it to actually, if you want to just right click a solution and say convert this to .NET Core 3, then it's going to pop up a thing going, please buy a license. All right. Um, but there'll be individual developer licenses, which aren't going to be that expensive compared to something like uh, ReSharper or something. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, and then, you know, uh, enterprise licensing and site licensing and, and that sort of thing. Wow, great. Um, but I am, uh, I am not a businessman. Mm. Um, and I do not want to run that side of things. I don't want to yeah. be responsible for that first line support. So mm. I am actually partnering with, and anyone who, I don't know if anyone here actually knows me on a kind of personal basis, but they will vouch for that. Um, you do not want me being the guy um, <laughs> who's actually picking up the phone. Um, and so I'm partnering. <laughs> I'm great with the code. And it's that whole if soul empathy. Thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Um, it's just, hey, this doesn't work. And. <laughs> um, so I'm partnering with uh, Gibraltar Software. Oh, okay. Because um, Kendall Miller is a very good friend of mine. Go back. Um, I did a code camp with him. on the show ages ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great. Um, and they do the loop uh, logging and metrics and monitoring system, and they do VistaDB. Um, and so I got onto him, and I said, hey, what, look, I've done this. What do you think? And he just went, okay, yeah, um, you should sell that. And I went do you want to sell it and I'll just make it and then you can handle the stuff that you're good at and I'll handle the stuff that I'm good at. And so we've hammered out a deal and um, Great. he's going to be doing all the sales and marketing well, and licensing and support. The like, and, he yeah. has the infrastructure for that. That's it. Exactly. He's already got the stuff in place to do this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's been running Gibraltar software for um, ever. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a long no, time. You know, um, he's credible in the space for no other reason than he's just been alive for so long. Like, yeah. you have to have done something right yeah. to still be ma- making a living selling software. Exactly. His, yeah. his company's, he's, to a certain extent, he competes with Microsoft 
and he's still paying his mortgage and paying his staff yeah. and the art of dancing with an elephant exactly yeah don't be where the foot lands yes yeah, yeah. um <laughs> so yeah and so that's that's what this thing is it's called visual recode you can go to visualrecode.com um and you can see a demo of the wcf to grpc we're also going to do so if you've been doing using wcf with the rest uh api stuff with like web invoke and so forth then it will convert that to uh just a standard core mvc application um it will convert a class library using the old cs proj format mm. to the new class library format including changing all the NuGet references to package references and so on um and it will also take old aspnet web api and turn it into new aspnet core web api wow um so yeah essentially as much as possible of the things that are left on dotnet 4 we're gonna find a way to automatically migrate them across to the new technologies hmm. um and provide some documentation some training and some i'm going to do some video training and stuff on how this new stuff works in the new world was there a point when you were coding this when you said i can't believe this isn't done already yeah like why how, doesn't this exist why doesn't this exist and and then you know realizing that it didn't in that aha moment it's it's very that? much of its time yeah it, and it's a combination of uh two things happening really one is they only just added grpc support to .NET core so okay. that's that's new in 3.0 um and the other is microsoft finally admitting that .NET 4 is yeah, yeah it's a standard stuff. version it's on life support yeah, yeah. um they try to, they want to get to one .NET. but yeah. also the the recognition that wcf is in, you know very popular and it it was and there's people using it still oh yeah and the people using it and i mean the thing is you know i i will rewrite your code um but that is not it's not like right click do this and then f5 and deploy to production sure. and and take the rest of the week off um Apart from anything else, if I wrote something that did that, I'd get lynched by everybody <laughs> in this room because they'd be out of a job. Um, so don't worry. I'm not doing that. Um, it just makes your job more fun. I promise. Um, but that had to be an interesting you know, moment when you, you just felt all of those things converging and you're like, aha. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and it was just, this is good. This is, this is like, this is going to, yeah. um, right this is actually right going to work. Um, and then Microsoft, uh, I, I'd started a blog called unwcf.com at around the same time. <laughs> um, and I, I was just blogging about, you know, comparing WPF, WCF to GRPC mm -hmm. and, and these sorts of things. Um, apart from anything else, unwcf.com is a five letter.com domain. And how is it, it not already was registered? available? Yeah, yeah right. that's crazy. It's just nuts. So, so that's there. We're going to set it up so it redirects to Visual Recode. We've moved the blog posts over to there now. Okay. Um, but people were commenting on there going, what about this? What about this? What about this? Hmm. Um, and somebody said, Scott Hunter mentioned on a Twitch stream that Microsoft had an announcement coming. And I was just kind of like, they're doing it again. Yeah. Right. They're, they're here, just going to. Here comes the gonna do so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. i was just kind of i'm just before i spend any more time on this i'm gonna see if somebody at microsoft will talk to me and so um right. and I, they'll say no but 
that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And then, so that was the thing. It's kind of like, mm. um, so I, I reached out to Scott Hunter, who is a great guy because he emailed me back um, yeah. within like two hours, which I, and he owns you know, all of .NET. He owns the whole of .NET, yeah. and you know he's a busy. I mean, it's it's fantastic. One of the things I really like about Microsoft actually is um, you can get in touch with Scott Hunter, Scott Hanselman, Scott, any of the Scots, yeah. Scott Guthrie, yeah, even right. will get back to you. Although Scott Guthrie is a machine from outer space. Yeah. Um, mm. That red shirt hides a whole lot of, of quantum computing cores. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he got back to me and said, no, 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 the thing that we're announcing, and I can share this now because they have, um, they've announced it, is that there is a core WCF project, which is an open source effort to create a .NET core port of, of WCF. WCF. Right. Huh. And Microsoft donated, they had a go at this, Okay. And the team they put on it wrote some code and then just went, you know what? This isn't going to work. Um, Let's open source so, it. You know. Um, <laughs> and so then this, uh, these other people work. sort of said, we're talking to Microsoft and going, can you release the code? And Microsoft, we can't release the code, but we can donate you the code that we wrote when we had a go at doing this oh. before we gave it up as a bad job. Um, and so there is this effort, but... WCF is huge. Um, and one of the reasons that Microsoft can't just go, I know, let's open source WCF, right. is because it is so tied into Windows, Windows. itself. Yeah. yeah. That's its Windows Communication Foundation. Right, and yeah. it was part, like you said at the start, it was part of the Vista project. Yes. It's, is, and are there, is there COM goo in there? There's, um, there are COM, uh, interop with the distributed transaction coordinator. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, and who uses MSDTC on a day to day basis? Clap. Who uses wow. WS transactions in WCF on a day-to-day -day basis? You're making who, who left their last job because there was too much WCF and they wanted to escape? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. There you go, you see. Yeah. Um, you know, what I love about XML is that it's proof that not everything Tim Berners-Lee loves is a good idea. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, but no, uh, um, so the core WCF and core WCF, it's that's the thing and it's great um and it's just a change of namespaces mm -hmm. but their initial kind of minimum viable product is basic binding over http or net tcp right yeah. which is a very limited so if you look at the stuff that people are doing with wcf that's not what they're worried about right, right. it's all those other things it's the it is it's transactions. The WS it's, yeah. asterisk yeah. transactions security and security and yeah. and uh, tokens and things and like I'm that. I'm not saying that's impossible to do, but that is not a trivial effort to get the, that together. The whole as a whole, it should be called WTF. It should, yeah. <laughs> Windows, Windows transaction. transaction. Found <laughs> yeah. What were you thinking? I don't know. <laughs> um. So yeah, there is a whole bunch of stuff. Um and. The, the problem is, so w, uh, WCF, when you did a distributed transaction, you said start a transaction and whatever machine, like the client machine, would go to the distributed transaction coordinator on your Active Directory network. And it would say, start me a transaction, and it would get a token back, and then it would embed information about that transaction mm. as it sent various requests off to various services. And because this was like 2008, 2010, um, 
actually all those services in the distributed service oriented architecture would update different tables on the same database mm -hmm. um, and so they would do all that in a single transaction but actually if you were using multiple databases as long as they were SQL Server, they would take part in that distributed transaction, and then you there, could there do a, a few commit. Of the databases that worked as well. But it worked with Oracle yeah, it got up and to the, Sybase, DB2, and and DB2. Yeah. Everything works with DB2. But the point, the point is that it is so deeply Windows embedded, using these Windows things. That's yeah. the thing from ten years ago, twelve, twenty. Almost twenty years. Yeah, um, and and .NET Core isn't about Windows. .NET Core, um, I mean, yeah, for WPF and Windows Forms, that's Windows. I'm, but you know, you got things like Avalon and the other one. Uh, sorry, Av Avalon was WPF. Uh, yeah. Avalonia. Avalonia. Sorry, Avalonia, which is a oh, I sort used to of love that band. Open, yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, no, it's a, it's an open source XAML using, um, cross platform desktop framework. Okay. Mm. Um, and there's platform.uno as well, yeah, which Uno. is kind of, and then you got yeah. Xamarin and you can use Xamarin with XAML to build Mac apps. And it's a small sort of step from there to supporting Linux and GTK and whatever. Yeah, they could um, get there. So yeah. But now you're in this cross-platform world, and also you're in this world where you're running in the cloud, mm -hmm. so you don't have an active, you can't have sure. a distributed transaction coordinator in Azure right. yet. Um, and then even when you get to that point, the actual data stores that you're writing to, most of them won't participate in a distributed transaction. Sure. Cosmos DB won't even participate in a distributed transaction just on Cosmos DB. Right. Mm. As it, it'll do it off on a single partition and a single document. Mm. But so that's like the opposite of a microservice. That's just store all the data in a single document. On um, don't do that. That's <laughs> that's an anti pattern. But it makes Microsoft Oh, I should have come on and talked about is an antipattern.com. Ah, I thought it was called don't do that. No, it's, it's, I've got a website called is an antipattern.com. If you're having an argument, just put whatever it is dot is an antipattern.com <laughs> and it just uses Markov chains to generate a website that looks like a medium post. <laughs> <laughs> Breathing is an antipattern. Exactly. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I announced it on Twitter, and immediately someone came back with Mark Rendell is an anti-pattern. <laughs> yeah, of course they did. Course I know because did. I have analytics. Um, but no, uh, yeah, so people are saying, I, what are we going to do about transactions? And the fact is that nobody in this day and age where you've got multiple platforms, you've got Kubernetes clusters, mm. you've got multiple back-end data stores, you've got things like cross-data center, yeah. failover, and everything else, nobody is inventing a distributed transaction coordinator that is going to work with modern systems, right. which means you're into things, you're into handling it yourself. I went to Jimmy Bogard's talk mm -hmm. earlier today, um, distributed transactions and apostates implementation. And he has this thing where he kind of creates the initial document, but it's got an outbox with all the messages that need to get sent to other systems to mm -hmm. handle the other things. And it's, it's basically the saga pattern yeah. for district. And you, you just, you do it yourself and you bake yeah. it into your business logic. Right. So all this is to say there probably aren't going to be too many people using the open source version of WCF. I think. I think it's admirable um, yeah. what they're doing, and I think for people who have um, trivial uh, solutions that were done using WCF just because it seemed like the right thing at the yeah. time, right. they might be able to um, to keep them 
alive for yeah. a bit longer. But I think there is still a fundamental it's still soap. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. still Wisdom files. Yeah. And it's still very inefficient over the net. I mean, if you've got a Kubernetes cluster and you've got microservices in that Kubernetes cluster, you do not want soap messages clogging up yeah, the, the network it. bandwidth that you've got there. When, it. you know, so, and gRPC, it's, I mean, it existed before microservices, but it's like, that's what it's for. Yeah. Um, is in cluster, in service. So you wouldn't use, you wouldn't have a public API that's gRPC right. unless you're Google. And of course they do. Um, but you know, once you're inside your cluster and messages are pinging around, yeah. gRPC is perfect for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As soon as you hit the, the public API endpoint, then you're back to HTTP and right. JSON or, you know, content negotiation. And well, everything. We'd, we'd like to open up the floor for questions, but before we do that, we have to pause for this very important message. This episode of .NET Rocks is sponsored by Datadog, a real-time monitoring platform that unifies metrics, logs, and distributed request traces from your cloud containers and orchestration software. Track the health and performance of your dynamic containers, apps, and services with rich visualizations and machine learning-driven alerts. To start monitoring your container clusters, sign up for a free trial today, and Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. Visit dd.netrocks.com to get started. All right, and we're back. It's .NET Rocks. That's Richard Campbell. I'm Carl Franklin, and that's Mark Rendell, who does member extreme knitting, particle physics, and lies about his hobbies. Um, we want to, we've, we have a room full of ex-WCF programmers here. They're and, not ex uh, yet. Yeah. They're recovering. I'm sure they have lots of questions. So um, if you raise your hand, all I would ask is that we repeat the question before answering. Anybody? Okay. Anybody have a question? Anyone? Bueller? I mean, the, the obvious one for me would be, so what are you going to do about distributed transactions in Recode? Um, I'm going to sell very expensive consulting services. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because no, you are talking no. about re-engineering how the transaction You are talking about re-engineering it. And yeah. um, I will be writing uh, quite extensive amounts of documentation on mm. ways to think about doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, and what the options are. Um, and yeah, uh, if there is anything we can do, um, that will help with it, uh, then we'll do it. Um, yeah. and put it in there because I would like to make as much stuff as possible. I mean, so like some of the security stuff. Yeah. Some of the um, WS security stuff that people use. You, and people did use it, but mm -hmm. that. That there's a fairly kind of um, you can switch that to OIDC or OAuth or right. SAML tokens or yeah. whatever it might be, and you can actually include that in gRPC. And so where that's possible, we'll bring that across as well. Mm -hmm. Or um, or you know, a uh, HTTP API authentication, Kerberos. .NET Core three does Kerberos now, right? Um, and which Kerberos. is just wow. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, the one thing that really people are going to be left high and dry with is transactions. Yeah. All right. I see a hand up there. Go ahead. So the question was, what do you think would be needed to create a generic distributed transaction system? Uh, you would need to get all the people who make all the NoSQL data stores and all the relational data stores in the world around a table in some kind of committee and shoot them and you would 
<laughs> that is one solution. <laughs> that would be much easier. No, what you would have to do. You do that one one at a time. You don't actually have to get them scheduled that way. Oh, but yeah. A good bug bomb might work. Yeah. yeah. But no, you, you need to get the Mongo guys and the Couchbase guys and the Cassandra guys and the HBase guys and somebody from Facebook. And I mean, you know, these days, just yeah. good luck getting anybody else in a room with somebody from Facebook um, because you, they're just worried they're going to be stealing your personal data just by <laughs> looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so going to buy their cryptocurrency. Oh, yeah. 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 They're, they're Australian, That's a good idea. <laughs> they're Australian tampon crisp, uh, cryptocurrency. Nice. <laughs> um, but uh, that's going to be like completely non-topical by the time this show actually goes out. But anyway, um, <laughs> but no, that's the problem is distributed transactions back in the day. It was just Microsoft had a monopoly on the operating system. Um, Linux hadn't really kicked off enough yet. And Unix was in this kind of. Why are we still using Unix? It doesn't have a nice GUI and everyone was trying to move over. And so Microsoft could just go to Oracle and to Sybase and to other database vendors and go, this is how we do distributed transactions. Get on board or people are going to use other databases. Now, it's just insane, the amount of technologies there are out there. So you've got the, the data stores, you've got the operating systems, then you've got the frameworks and the programming languages. So you've got to get Java, you've got to get Go, you've got to get Rust, you've got to get PHP. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about just, programming languages. But you know, but the <laughs> thing, this is the thing. This is the languages. thing. You're going to go, look, okay, so we've got some structured code here and we've got some structured code here and we want this angry bag of cats <laughs> to participate in our distributed transaction as well. This, this is the problem the world of technology is infinitely more complicated than it was yeah Te just Are even just 10 years ago cats it isn't angry isn't that redundant um <laughs> a happy bag of cats there's never no happy bags of cats you can, you no can have thing. a you can have a bag of dead cats <laughs> it's okay that's not very transactional no no it's got good momentum though i'm trying to think which programming language would be a bag of dead cats and i'm thinking it's probably pearl yes <laughs> yes <laughs> But they're Schrodinger's cats. Yes, they used to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> now they exist in a in a super state. Um, but yeah, so that that is why you can't just you can't have a a sort of generic everybody just participate in this transaction. Uh, what you can do to a certain extent within your solution is you can use things like Redis um, or uh, actor systems like hacker.net or, or acker if you're doing java um you can use those to do a kind of distributed two-phase commit pattern so you kind of send out a thing to lots of different endpoints and say okay i need you to do this and then i need you to tell me you've done it and they all respond back through some kind of broker um, and then you send another message to all of them going, right, everybody commit. And if they were using a relational database, they can hold open a transaction and For commit a certain it. Amount of time, yeah. And if they're using a database that doesn't support this, then they can just keep an undo object in memory or something like that. Mm. Um, so to a certain extent, you can have patterns and you can codify those patterns for your framework, for your programming language. Um, but even that, I mean, actually, Having a transaction on a database that's held open while messages go across a network, that's going to scale to about four requests a second. Um, so, yeah, there's, it's just really, really difficult. And it's much better to just build 
Um, is, it, is it necessary for modern systems? If you're if you're building a system in a in a microservices architecture, is it necessary? When is it necessary? Sometimes it's necessary, um, which is why we have things like the Saga pattern. Um, if you have, uh, I mean, Jimmy Bogard's example is an e-commerce application where somebody says, I want a mountain bike, and it creates the order, but then the order creates a stock request, and then stock says, yes, we have that mountain bike, and then decrements the number of that mountain bike they've got, and then that goes back to there, and then somebody has to approve the order, um, and then it goes back, and then if that fails, the stock system has to... And so those things like distributed order processing or a lot of financial applications... It's like mm -hmm. if one of your traders has just bought 500,000 shares in Gibraltar software, mm. which, by the way, would be an excellent investment. Yeah. <laughs> um, am I allowed to do that? I'm not. They're not publicly traded. It doesn't matter. It's going to be tricky. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to IPO after this. <laughs> um, but yeah, financial systems, it's not even a matter of do you need, uh, like, logically, do you need transactions mm -hmm. it's part of the law right you know, yeah. they have to comply with to be a buyer for sec laws all right but a what, you know distributed transaction um, system though but yeah, yeah so we have transactions in microservices that's but. the thing so you've got two options one is you go all right the things that need to happen as an atomic transaction yeah. have to exist that's your service boundary. Yeah, right. The fact that that is an atomic transaction becomes your service boundary right. around that database. And then the other thing is you don't need distributed transactions if you are prepared to code defensively yeah, right. against the possibility that something fails. A bunch of stuff yeah. didn't quite work in in order or that this happens then this tried to happen and it couldn't happen then, so you put it on a queue, and it'll yeah. come back and happen again in an hour. When sure. hopefully that thing will work. Well, it's like the mo that's so the modern e-commerce e method, right? Yeah, right, you place sure. an order, but we didn't say we we're going to fulfill it yet. Yeah, we just said we got a it. separate transaction is the pulling of the order. But yes. probably for that, we're going to go see if we can do take your money. Yeah, and if there's a problem with that, we'll email you, and you have a chance to recover that. But if you don't, then we're not going to go and forward. That's, time, that's the thing. Time we've just you know? changed the pattern. Yeah, you yeah. go to the Disney store and you put a set of limited edition pins in your shopping cart right and then you go to check out and they tell you they're out of stock yep yeah and you just kind of they were in my cart now how can you have sold something when it was in my mm. cart i think jimmy we were Welcome just talking about internet. this uh you know you give them a time limit like when you're buying tickets sure you know, mm. lines like okay you've got five minutes to pull the trigger otherwise we're going to release these seats yeah which yeah. works great when you're trying to book tickets for avengers endgame yeah and yeah. they've got one raspberry pi trying to sell four million tickets <laughs> <laughs> My, by the way, it's a yeah, it's a Raspberry Pi with palsy too. Yeah, right? yeah, it's not even a it's not even a Model Three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I appreciate that we have made more modern patterns now that we right. have. And people are used to these workflows. Yeah, and people aren't surprised anymore. Yeah, uh, you know they we 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 talk about caching strategies around stuff like airline tickets and things where it's like yeah, I'm going to show you all the tickets I think I have, but it's only when you go to buy them that I actually find out I really have them. That's well, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's ask the guy who talked about a generic uh, DTS system. Do you have a need for it, sir? There you go. So he doesn't doesn't even have a need for it. Yeah, he's doing item potency. He was again, just just pattern. trying to make Moved trouble away. for That's me, weren't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Get that guy. Anybody yeah. else have a question for Mr. Mark here? 
Anything at all. Ask me about writing Visual Studio extensions. That's fun. Right in front. Did no. you try to sell it to Microsoft? Did I try to s No, I did not try to sell it to Microsoft. Does one really sell an idea to Microsoft? No, really? no. What one can do is have an idea, do the idea, um, and if you are successful enough, Microsoft will just acquire you or just after a given period it. of time. Um, yeah. Although, yeah, if it's trivial to implement, then they'll just do it. Right. Or if you're the um, least bit, I mean, they did try and buy Slack. Before they built, they teams. did. Yes, yeah. yes. So, which is, you know, um, there's another side of this, which is if the elephant is making nice noises, you should probably comply. Yeah, because the, el <laughs> yeah. the alternative involves a foot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. The the elephant gun. Yeah. Um, I'm not convinced that there are enough people out there for Microsoft to yeah. be interested in this. Yeah. Um, I think they will be very happy for me. And there's a couple of other sort of alternative solutions. Now that this has happened, it's like Mark Gravel is uh, making a gRPC. He does Protobuf.net, mm -hmm. which is like code-first Protobuf. And so now he's doing code-first gRPC sure. that actually looks like WCF. Have people but confused? It's, it's the other way around. Sure. Have people you know? confused you guys because your names kind of sound similar? No, because he's much more clever than me. Oh. <laughs> But, you know, um, I think about Fernando Guerrero and his VB6 converter back in the oh, day, yeah, sure. right? And it's like, you know, the number of angry VB people when .NET came along was not trivial. Yeah, no, no, there was plenty of pressure on Microsoft to build some sort of solution to that. And then when Fernando built his, Microsoft was perfectly happy to go, go there. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There is an answer. Interestingly, this is one of the things that I'm experimenting with at the moment because a lot of these old 2008 applications are written in VB.net. Right. And so I'm, I'm seriously considering um, having like a paperclip pop up and go, it looks like you're migrating a Visual Basic <laughs> .NET application. <laughs> Would you like me to translate that to C Sharp? Right. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so, yeah. Because um, I could know. translate it to COBOL.NET and then you'll really hate me. In it. I'll translate it to Boo. Yeah. That'll be go. fun. <laughs> Um, but no, because actually translating VB.net to C Sharp with Roslyn, you can, they, they made an extension for visuals. You yeah. can copy and paste from one language to the other. Yeah, it's, they're basically, it's just all IL in the end. Any other questions? That's Ian Cooper That's at Ian the back. Ian Cooper at the back asking about performance improvements. Um, the, the, if you convert your WCF SOAP application to gRPC, will you see performance improvements? Simple answer is yes. Is there any risk at all that the packet size will be bigger? No. <laughs> no. Um, There's going to be a lot less angle brackets. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so uh, the average SOAP document is larger than um, Marcel Proust's Remembrance of Things Past. Nice. <laughs> uh, and that's just the headers. Yes. Um, you should see the schema document. Yeah, the schema document. <laughs> um, no, I did some benchmarking, and this uh, is actually on the uh, on the website. Um, I did some benchmarking of WCF. And initially, I just I didn't mess with the bindings at all. So I was comparing WCF with the HTTP bindings mm. to gRPC, which was slightly unfair. Um, and someone then, that's slightly unfair. And so then I changed the WCF to NetTCP bindings, but mm. it's still using SOAP. Um, and at that point, it suddenly got faster than gRPC. But what I was doing with gRPC was streaming response, where it, as soon as it gets the first item in the response, it sends it back so the client can start acting on it. So when gRPC returns I enumerable, it actually does yield 
one at a time and the client can deserialize them one at a time and start doing stuff with them. And you can actually do that in two directions. So you can start a request and then start sending product IDs up one at a time and it'll start sending the product objects back down for you one at a time hmm. Th that's it's great if what you want is responsiveness and very quick time to first bite but if you need the entire response it's much quicker just to serialize it into a list in grpc and fire it back in a single go so then yeah. i changed the grpc implementation to do that and grpc again became faster than net tcp binding um, so on when the are you going to start working on the remoting converter <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I, I'm no. old okay no you know you no. could stick needles in your eyes it probably <laughs> hurt less um, <laughs> I'll tell you what if someone wants to write the remoting converter in such a way that it works with my thing um, and then uh, send me the code then I will happily cut them in mm -hmm. um, and that can become part of the, I can't the project anybody, but, is anybody um, still using remoting in production clap good so we don't have to yeah. tell you to stop <laughs> I bet you uh, anything you like, Microsoft are. Yeah, internally, probably. <laughs> internally, sure. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It'll no, be in their expenses approval system we'll, or something. We'll get a couple of, of comments on the shows. Like, I'm using remoting and I'm happy. Mm. But you got to use the binary formatter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the performance, gRPC is engineered for performance. And there's still actually a bunch of stuff they could do in the generated code that would make it faster. At the moment... Um, the generated endpoints return tasks. They should return value tasks for something that can be returned immediately. So there's still work that can be done there, but Microsoft are actually committing to the gRPC repository to try and make this happen. Nice. So wow. um, there's still more performance to come, but gRPC is fast and the overhead on your network is insane. It's as small as it can be. Mm. You know, gRPC or protobuf packets don't include the field names because they don't know don't need to because at either end the the serializer and the deserializer know the order that the fields go in sure. and what type they are so where, where xml just includes the data. it twice xml yeah it's <laughs> like here here's and the start of some data here and here is a an x colon type or entity framework type or whatever it yeah, is descriptor. and then thing and then here at this other end is that same tag again just yeah, so right. you know we finished really, oh, by really the way sure. and then right there in the middle there's 42 because <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the data um whereas protobuf serializes that as basically start record 42 end record you're done it's like five bytes yeah good well uh mark we wish you all the success in the world with your new venture where do Thank we go to check this out again so if you go to visualrecode.com okay. uh there's information about it on there you can sign up and be notified we're looking to get the first uh preview launched in uh probably a couple of weeks are you looking um, for testers with a bunch of the stuff we are definitely looking for testers we are hoping people will download this run it over their code the the te the preview versions will be fully functional. Wow. Um, so if that works for you and you get in early, then you're done. Because <laughs> um, this is the other thing with this. It's a tool. It does yeah. it. You're done. You don't need it. To, it. There's no library. There's no ongoing support. Once you're done, you're done. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, download it. Um, create a solution. Uh, drag service contracts and things on using drag and drop. Press apply and play with your new edgy modern microservices google 
modern standards blah, solution. Awesome. Um, but there's a video on the site already showing a demo of the WCF to GRPC functionality. Excellent. One more time. Give it up for Mark Rendell. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got